Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. We are in a new book of the Bible, studying biblical prophecy. We're in 2 Peter, St. Peter's second epistle, and I'm just titling this episode, Heeding St. Peter's Prophetic Teaching. Why is that? Well, it's a goldmine of prophetic teaching, as we're going to see as we go through this epistle, and it's one of the most relevant books of the Bible for Christians in the 2020s. You're like, well, why is that? What's in 2 Peter that uh, is so important for today? Well, 2 Peter deals head-on with the toxic influence of false teachers in the church. And there was a diabolical strategy in the first century by false teachers. It's also in the 21st century. And what the false teachers were doing was trying to lure believers into their sexual depravity. Now, how did they do this? By casting doubt on the second coming, the reality of the second coming, or the final judgment, and using those as a means to cast off moral restraint. If you're gonna really have a Christian worldview, you need to know your beginning, where you came from, and where you're going, and they used twisted eschatology to corrupt the church, and the same thing is going on today, and we'll be discussing that. So, and our false teachers around today, well, you know, everybody's going to heaven, that's a false teaching. Pro-abortion politicians going to heaven, and folks who elect them, are they going to heaven? Uh, Are unrepentant homosexuals going to heaven? Are multitude of uh, Christians who basically deny church's teaching, uh, don't go to confession, and then take the blessed Eucharist. What's going to happen with them? Uh, We have a lot of people say, well, everything's fine because everybody goes to heaven. And some false teachers are saying you don't even need to believe in Christ to go to heaven. So that's not my purpose today. My purpose, first of all, is to bring you back to 2 Peter because you know you don't hear enough from our first pope. You would think of all books of the Bible, Catholics would be very interested in, particularly the epistles. It would be first and second Peter. I mean, this is our first pope. And you know, you try to pay attention to what the pope says and teaches and this is this is stuff right from his hand, uh, his teaching and advice in a very critical situation where false teachers are running rampant. And I'll issue a warning to any Protestant listening to me right now or to any Catholic listening to me right now. And if you're about to set foot in a classroom teaching the New Testament or reading many study Bibles, they are going to doubt the authenticity of 2 Peter. They doubt the authorship of this book. They say 2 Peter didn't write this. We don't know exactly who did it, but they believe it's a pseudepigraphal book. And by pseudepigraphal, it doesn't mean that what's written is false or anti-Christian, but that the author, when it claims it was written by Peter, it really wasn't. Now, they say that doesn't make a big difference. That's baloney because 
if someone claims to be an apostle like St. Peter was, and also as Catholics, we realize he's our first pope, that carries authority. And if Peter didn't write it, it lacks authority. So I'm going to fight the remainder of this episode to make sure that Second Peter is regarded as authoritative because many people are taught in seminaries and then they'll go into classrooms of Catholic colleges and universities and even some of the ones that are supposed to be orthodox and will teach this in an improper way. And that's why even a number of priests, particularly educated in the last 40 years or so, may, you might not hear a whole lot from Second Peter. So here's the reasons why Second Peter is often regarded as non-authoritative in that not written by Peter. Number one, it was slow to be accepted into the canon of Scripture. The canon of Scripture is the list of authoritative books that should be in the Bible, and some books in the Bible were accepted much sooner than others. And Second uh, Peter was one of those that was late in being accepted. One of the reasons is that in the early centuries of the church, there were all kinds of pseudepigraphal books floating around. In other words, there's all kinds of books or gospels or epistles uh, claiming to be from Peter. And since there were so many going around, uh, the church was very cautious to make sure that this one, Second Peter, was from Peter. And they determined it was, but the fact that they took longer doesn't mean that it's inauthentic. Number two, and this is a biggie, there's differences in vocabulary between Second Peter and First Peter. And you can go way back, even St. Jerome was kind of disturbed by this because he was aware of the vocabulary differences between First and Second Peter. Now, not everything is different in these epistles. I'll just give you one quickie example. Verse 2 of First Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 2 of Second Peter chapter 1. He starts off with, in 1 Peter, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. From 2 Peter, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is a standard greeting. An epistle had a greeting, and the greetings are exactly the same. Now, uh, I hope they sounded similar to you. I think there's a rather easy explanation for the differences in vocabulary. If you look at the last few verses of 1 Peter, this is what it says. This is the final greeting in 1 Peter. By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written you briefly, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast with it. Now, by Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have briefly written to you in several epistles, including St. Paul's epistles, uh, the apostles would use an amanusis or a scribe, and they would dictate, but the scribe would have the liberty to compose something according to uh, the apostles' liking. I, I would love to have somebody like that on staff of the Family Life Center. There are people who... Um, you know, would hear basically a content of a broadcast like this, 
and then, yes, maybe change some vocabulary words, maybe even improve it a little bit, put it in written form, then I would go back over and prove it for publication. Well, this is exactly how First Peter worked, but Second Peter doesn't mention Salvanus as being a contributor to the epistle. That would easily explain why there's a difference in vocabulary. Now, the big, big reason, sometimes unspoken for the denial of the apostolic and authoritative authorship of Second Peter. We do know this. There is an unusual similarity of Second Peter with Jude. Now, I've grabbed one of my commentaries. I have three commentaries here, and this commentary is entitled the NIV Application Commentary, and it's Second Peter, comma, Jude. Now, that's odd, because almost every other commentary I have, and I have a lot of them in my office, it would say like First and Second Thessalonians, or it would say First and Second Corinthians. It wouldn't say First Corinthians and Second Thessalonians. That would seem screwed up, but, and it doesn't say First and Second Peter. It says Second Peter and Jude. And one of the reasons this scholar happens to be aware that there's an unusual similarity with Second Peter and parts of Jude, and it seems as though that Second Peter has a dependence on Jude. In other words, Peter brought in some of the teaching of Jude. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's just unusual in that sense, Second Peter and Jude. It's the only two books of the Bible that I have like that, 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 you know, you have first, second, and third John. You don't have first, second John, and then Jude or something uh, for another volume. But what's really odd, in a sense, that I have two commentaries, they're both good ones I'm looking at right now, that are entitled Jude and Second Peter. Now, why is that? Well, you would think, following the canonical order of the books, Second Peter comes before Jude. So even if you're going to do these two unusual combinations of books together, you would put Second Peter and then Jude. But they're putting Jude first. Why? Because it seems to have uh, Second Peter a great dependence on Jude. Okay, so that sets us up. That's our second kind of big reason here. But now we're getting right down to home plate. There are some two hot-to-handle verses in Jude, just three of them, where Jude quotes First Enoch. Now, First Enoch is not a biblical book, but it was a widely used book at the time, right before Christ, after Christ. First Enoch was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It was used out in Qumran, and Enoch powerfully reinforces the position that I gave you from Genesis 6 is what was going on in the days of Noah leading up to the flood that caused God to commit genocide on the entire human race except for eight people. It was really serious. And I shared with you that it was the fallen angels were cohabiting to human women and making hybrid, giant, wicked leaders. And Jesus himself says, as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. These are not optional things. And it's very interesting that quoting first Enoch and then second Peter 
dependent on Jude, and, and Jude throws some people for a loop because it quotes Enoch. Well, it basically clarifies rather clearly what was going on in Genesis 6. And then we get, and by the way, a lot of people just can't handle Genesis 6. This is like, whoa, that's too creepy, that's too unusual, that's too freakish, that's too whatever, that's too over the top. I don't believe that because I just choose not to believe that. Then we get to 2 Peter chapter 2, where it says, For if God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to pits of nether gloom to be kept until the judgment, for he did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah. So he's putting Noah and the angels cast into hell in this in two verses together in 2 Peter. Again, this is reinforcing the position of Genesis 6, and this is why Genesis you have to study before you even get to this biblical prophecy. And then the real zinger, and I'll be elaborating on this, believe me, in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, that word hell isn't hell in Greek. And if you're looking, I'm looking at the Catholic edition, the RSV, they have a little footnote and says the Greek word is actually Tartarus. And Tartarus is a Greek word for Greek mythology about the corrupt giants that were judged by the gods and cast into the pit. And that Greek mythology is kind of an erroneous or a a distorted view of what Moses describes in Genesis 6. Those were the days of Noah, and Peter was getting us ready to deal with false teachers in his day and our day. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 289 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.